Well, good morning. Hey, Joe, come up here. Doesn't Joe look good in his Christmas little sweater thing or his shirt? You know, I love you, man. I love Joe McKean. Um, well, it's we, we thought we'd kind of have a little fun today, so I wore my my Charles Spurgeon Christmas sweater. You know, baseball's impacted my life a little bit, so now I'm superstitious and I have these traditions. And so uh, I have a Charles Spurgeon bobblehead in my office, and you may not know this, but every time I leave my office to come down to, to preach, I always touch Spurgeon's head, you know, and then come on down. So I thought in honor of that, I'd wear my Spurgeon Christmas sweater. Okay, so um, it's Christmas time. Uh, y'all watch Christmas movies, right? You've, you've done that. I want you to see, like, the people around you. I want you to see if you can come up with really quick, like in the next, like, 10 seconds, five Christmas movies. Go. Okay, so let me see how you did. Okay, so how, did anybody get Scrooge? Anybody get Scrooge? Anybody say Scrooge? Okay, oh, that's a Christmas Carol. Yeah, I guess. A Christmas Carol. Sorry, I, I put Scrooge. Uh, I guess that's the wrong title. Uh, what about It's a Wonderful Life? Anybody say that one? All right, that's famous. Uh, uh, a Christmas Story? Anybody Red Rider BB Gun? Okay, anybody say that? Uh, what about Elf? Who said Elf? Who said Die Hard? I heard some over here. Yeah, okay, that's right. That's what I had. Um, you know, um, the list of Christmas movies, it's huge. I mean, there's tons of Christmas movies. But, but you know, the... The real story is better than fiction, isn't it? I mean, I mean, this is why one, one conviction that I have this, this Christmas is, is that we kind of reclaim the story of Christmas. Um, you, know, you know, the true story of Christmas is incredible and one that I don't want us to miss. And, and this, this Christmas, God has really um, caused me to notice this push that we have in our culture of, of secularization. And, um, and then there's this push to, to, to move our society to become more secular. Now, Christian Smith is a sociologist, and he defines secularization like this. He says that secularization is the process of pro- progressively moving religion to the private world. That, that, that when it comes to our faith, we should, we should make this a private thing and shouldn't bother the public with our faith. Now, now for us, we're like, yeah, no, we, we can't do that. Especially with the Christmas story. And as we reclaim the, the Christmas story, it's unique. It's, it's, um, it's, it's not fiction. It's, it's real life because Jesus really did enter human history. He really came. And and you know, the, the, the message of Christmas is not a, a once upon a time in a land far, far away kind of story. No, it, was a, it occupies space and time and history, and it's a moment of, that really happened. And, and, and you know, the Christmas story is an event in history that confirms something, and I want us to connect with this. It confirms the reality that fellowship with God is possible. And because of that, we can't keep that to ourselves. We can't make that a private um, uh, uh, conviction or belief. It's, it's something that, that moves us to communicate. And when I think about 2020 especially, I think this is important, that, that in, especially in 2020, people need to understand that an intimate relationship with God is possible. 
And that's the Christmas message. Now, this morning, if you have your Bibles, we're in 1 John chapter 1. Now, even if you're at home, I'm so glad you're worshiping at home with us. And, and we're learning to do this. We're learning to worship in the room. We're also learning to worship at home. And, and I would love for you to get your Bibles out, even if you're at home. And, 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 and let's stand together in honor of God's Word. We're in 1 John chapter 1, and this is not necessarily a common Christmas passage, but when you look at this passage and you really hear what John is saying, it's a beautiful depiction of Christmas. And so, let's look at it. John chapter, 1 John, 1 John, not the Gospel of John, same author, but uh, different book. It's the end of your Bible if you're looking, but um, 1 John chapter 1, starting in verse 1, it says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testify to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, now most of the time when we come to uh, the Sunday before Christmas, we expect to kind of run into the shepherds or the, the wise men or the, uh, um, you know, those characters. Now, First John 1 doesn't kind of, it doesn't talk about those characters. But when you think about this passage, it tells us a lot about Christmas. Now, one conviction I've had is uh, I've, I've kind of been moved to, because I want us to understand Christmas, and to understand Christmas is to come to terms with the message of God to humanity. To understand Christmas is to come face to face with this salvation message that Christ came to proclaim. And to understand Christmas, we, we, we've got to recognize the reality of Jesus while confronting our lostness, our human lostness. Now, 1 John 1, 1 through 4 points to this truth that fellowship with God is really the Christmas story that we can have fellowship with him. And John was often uh, writing about, look, the word came, came, became flesh, that, that, that God was in the flesh. Like even in, in, in the gospel of John, in chapter one, that's a famous passage about the word of God coming to us. And in John 1.14, he says, John, John writes, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, now what John is articulating is the incarnation took place. Now, that's a big theological word and a, and a huge concept that, that means, the incarnation means that God came in the flesh, incarnate. And, and, and Christ entered the world, and, and God went to great lengths for us to know him and connect with him. And, and it's interesting, as, as Jesus it came into the world, it shows us that, that God wanted to come close. 
And here's the truth of Christmas. This is why we've got to understand the Christmas message is that, is that God is not far from us. God came close to us. And Jesus was born, and God was in the flesh. And, and, and this shows us that, that we can know God personally. And this changes everything for us. You know, I, I, I struggle with, with many, with much of religion because it seems like when, when it comes to religion, God is so distant and far away. And that's not what the Christmas story communicates. It, Christ, it, it communicates that God comes close. God allows you to be personal with the Creator. And this changed everything for me. I mean, I think about what, what, what coming to know Christ personally did for me. Oh, my goodness. I, I have this peace that I couldn't manufacture in my own heart. I have this hope that, that, I, that I, I can't overlook. I, I have this, this moment of, of, of di- when times have been difficult. I've, I've gone to the Lord, and he's, he's strengthened me. He's helped me. This relationship with God that we have is, is personal. It's interactive. It's, it's in real time. It's, it's um, man, he... He corrects me at times. He speaks to me and he guides me. He uses his word and it's just incredible. And the Christmas story actually happened. And this is something that, that we've got to understand. It's not like the elf stories or the, the made-up stories that we embrace. And I'm not saying Christmas stories are bad, but, but let's not miss the real message of Christmas. And John writes... And he says, look, I, I was a witness to Jesus. I saw him. I experienced him. I walked with him. And, and, and I want you to know him. Look back at verse 1. He says, that which was from the beginning, 1 John 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. You know, when Christ entered the world, what, what was happening? It was the word of life that entered the world. Now, if you're following in your notes today, um, you know what Christmas reveals? Christmas reveals God to humanity. I mean, I mean God is revealing himself to us, to, to hum, hum, humankind, to mankind through Christmas. And, and, and I, I think about how, how strange the way God entered the world. I mean, how would you have done it? If you were going to enter the world, if you were God and you were going to enter the world, I mean, for me, I think I would probably like put together kind of like a halftime of a Super Bowl kind of announcement. You know, I mean, I mean, I guess I'd have like a big band. I guess there was music. I mean, because the angels came singing. Um, but, but the reality is he came to shepherds. Strange announcement to these common people that were just out in the fields that were just normal, that were kind of outcasts of society, if you understand shepherds in that culture. And that's how God announced his coming to this common couple that were poor, that were not very uh, powerful in the world. And, uh, but but in, the, in this moment, God, he, it's interesting, he didn't have to reveal himself to us, but he did. God showed us who he is and what he's like. Now, how has God revealed himself? Well, we see this in Scripture. We see how God has revealed himself 
in to, to, to us, to humanity. First of all, you see, God, God revealed himself in creation. You've seen this, right? Creation, God reveals himself. God speaks. Romans 1, 19 and 20 says this, since what they may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that man is without excuse. The Bible tells us that we can look at creation and, and, and we don't have any excuse to, to recognize that God created the world. You know, it's, I, I call it these, these uh, wow moments. Have you ever had a wow moment? When you are like, wow, God, you made that. I'll never forget in Thomas, Oklahoma. That was my first church. I was, I was 19 years old. I, I was a youth minister at First Baptist Thomas, which is, Thomas is north of Weatherford, Oklahoma, about 20 miles. And, and I remember one night, it was a winter night about Christmas time, and I was driving back to Weatherford to go to my dorm. And, and I remember uh, just being a, a clear, super clear night. And I could see, I could see the stars. And I just started noticing the stars as I was driving. And, and so I, I pulled my Chevrolet, my 1989 Chevrolet Beretta, which was such a cool car, uh, at the time. And, uh, and I pulled it over on the side of the road. It was on this country road. And I got out of my car and I laid on my hood and I looked up into the sky. And I, you know what? I could not see one man-made light. But man, that night, I felt like I could see every star that God ever made. Have you ever been in the country like that? And you're just going, whoa, whoa. You know, creation is one of the ways that God reveals himself to us. And it blows my mind, those people that think, oh, man, the, it just exploded. And then all this order and beauty happened. Like, come on. Like, really, come on. That's not... You, you, we can't really embrace that. Like, for example, there's a, I got a text message this week from a, one of our, our church members who, on purpose, went to Beirut for Christmas because his family are, they live in Beirut. They're missionaries in Beirut. And he was out on a jog, and he took a picture. I don't know if you've seen the news in the last couple of months of, of what happened in Beirut with that explosion in Lebanon. Man, he took a picture, and I was like, whoa, man, that's devastating. You know, when you look at that explosion, no one saw that explosion and goes, oh, that's order. That's beauty. No, it's destruction. But see, when you look at creation, you see there is a creator. There is a designer to the world. God has revealed himself in creation. But you know this, and we know this, and... God's Word confirms this, that creation alone is not enough for us to really know God like He wants to know us, wants us to know Him. And, and, and so He gave us His Word, right? God revealed Himself in His Word. I'm so thankful for the Word of God. It's one of the reasons why, as we come together to worship, that we look at the Word of God, because it's in the Word of God that God teaches us who He is and what He's like. And, and we see the gift of His Word in 2 Timothy 3, 16. It says all Scripture is God-breathed. And it's useful for, for teaching and, and equipping and training in righteousness so that the, the man or woman of God can be uh, equipped in every good work. You see, God reveals Himself through, through His Word. And I'm grateful 
But, but when it comes to the revelation of God, do you know what the, the clearest revelation of God to humanity is? It's not creation. It's not, not his word, though it's clear. The clearest revelation of God is in Christ. God's most complete revelation is his coming at Christmas time. And, and, and that's something I don't want us to miss. And that's something that, that is, is clear because when God came into the world, that was God speaking. That was God revealing himself. And, and, and we see, remember that, I think it's John, John 14. John 14, when Jesus was interacting with Philip. Remember Philip? He was close to Jesus. He walked with Jesus. He, he talked with Jesus. He watched the miracles happen. And Philip said in John 14, John writes about it uh, in this gospel, that, that Philip said, hey, Jesus, are you, why don't you show us who the Father is? John 14, 9, Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? And what we have to understand at Christmas time is that, is that when Jesus entered the world, that was God revealing himself to us, showing us that fellowship with God is possible. And John, I love John, and John's my favorite disciple because, because John, he never left. He never left Jesus' side. At the crucifixion or at the, at the, when the arrest happened in the garden, John was there and all the disciples fled. What did John do? He stayed. He walked with Jesus through the whole crucifixion scene. He's never left the foot of the cross as Christ was, was, was dying. And, and when you think about, about, about John, he understood that the stories that Jesus came into the world in a miracle, in a miraculous way. John witnessed Jesus, um, healing people and feeding uh, the, the masses with just a few fish and loaves. And, and John was there when, when Christ raised people from the dead and healed the wilted hand. He, he was there in all those moments. John was there at the arrest. He saw the beatings of Christ. He witnessed the floggings. He, he, he stood there at the cross. In that moment that Jesus looked at him and said, John, this is your mother now. Take care of my mom. John was there when Jesus said, it is finished. And all of a sudden, the, the world went dark and the earthquake happened. And John's like, whoa. John was there the moment that Jesus rose from the grave. He saw the empty tomb. He ran and he saw it. He saw Jesus' resurrected body. I'll tell you what. Um, he was convinced that Jesus was God in the flesh. And he wanted the world to know, look, this is, this is the story of God to you. God coming to you. And when you think about all the Christmas stories, this really happened. It took place. And John wanted us to know that it took place. And that's a big deal. Think about, the, think about what, what it would be like if the Christmas story didn't happen. Think about if, if it wasn't true. Well, let me tell you, if it wasn't true, Paul said we're to be pitied more than anybody. If it wasn't true, there wouldn't, would be no hope in life. 
there would be fear in death if it wasn't true. If, if it wasn't true, then let me tell you something. When you die, you're just dead. But see, it is true. That Jesus did come and he did offer hope and life. He offers real peace in life. Like a hope in death that you can stand on. That you can trust. And, and this is the beauty of Christmas. And what John is saying to us that, and this is very clear in, his, in all his writings, but especially in John 1, 1 through 4, that every person who, who misses who Jesus is, you miss who God is. And this is why when it comes to the world of, of I love John and I want to be like John, I want to never leave Jesus like John did. I want to trust him Every step of the way, in good times and bad times, John did this. And, and you know what? John was like, I, I don't want the world to miss who Jesus is. And this is why when we face that secularization pressure that we go, no, man, we can't. We cannot allow the world to miss who Jesus is. Look at verse 2. John says, this life was made manifest, and we've seen it. And testify to you and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. John says, look, this was in front of us. This, this was manifested. It was in real time. It was in the flesh. And, and some people, you know, you might say, Chris, hey, well, look, John got to see him. If you haven't, uh, you haven't realized that we live like two centuries later, Right? We didn't get to see Jesus with our own eyes. We didn't get to, like, give Jesus a high five and go, dude, that was a great job on that miracle thing. That was cool right there, man. We didn't get to do that. But, you know, when you think about it, if, if we just look at John and go, you know, well, he just had a different perspective from us, that's, that's not a right view of where John really was. Think about his life. I mean, he did get to see Jesus. He did have those memories. But, but when you think about the majority of his life, as he interacted with God, he was interacting with the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit was at work in John's life. It was the Holy Spirit that moved him to write the Gospel of John. It was the Holy Spirit that wrote him, that moved him to write these letters. It was the Holy Spirit that, that moved John to see the revelation. It's the same Holy Spirit that we interact with, that, we, that, that speaks to us. And so when you think about his life, um, the Holy Spirit was at work in John's life. I loved what Warren Wiersbe said. He says, it was not John's physical nearness to Jesus that made him what he was. It was the spiritual nearness to Jesus that made him what it was, what he was. And that's, that's true for us too. You see, the same Holy Spirit that was working through John is working right now. Whether you're at home and, and, and striving to make this connection through this online experience, or whether you're here in this room, the Holy Spirit is at work. And the same powerful message of salvation that changed the lives of people in the first century is changing, has changed our lives. It's changing people's lives right now. And here's what I, I want us to see, that the Christmas message is still relevant. And we've got to recognize that. It doesn't need to be updated. It doesn't need to be changed. The Christmas message is incredibly relevant. Truth is better than fiction. 
and, and when you think about the Christmas message and, and I think about this season of life that we are in, oh my goodness, 2020, you know, we thought it was going to be a, uh, uh, you know, beginning of the 2020, everybody's like, oh, vision, we're going to see clearly in 2020. And now we're like, dude, that was like a uppercut to our, our mouth. That's what 2020 has been. But you know what? The Holy Spirit is at work, giving us strength, power, hope. And it's the message the world needs. You see, here's the reality. Christmas offers the only path to eternal life. That's why this is a message that can't be, oh, let's push to keep it private. Never. Never will that be the case. Why would we hide the only path to salvation? Because who was like Jesus? John was saying, who was like him? Nobody. His birth was a miracle. Who can define this? You know, we live in this world that they're saying, let's all trust science. No, let's trust God who's not bound by science, right? Let's trust him. Because, you know, how do you explain scientifically the birth of Christ? You can't. Why? Because it was a miracle. I would much rather follow the God who is not bound by human limitations. Now, God gives us wisdom. God gives us uh, uh, direction. I mean, I'm not anti-doctor, because guess who gave those doctors wisdom? God. Whether those doctors believe it or not, doesn't matter. God gave wisdom. You think about the life of Jesus, it was beyond compare. I mean, no one lived, think about the people who saw him. They said, no one can do what you do. Unless you're, you're from God. Remember, I mean, Nicodemus? Nicodemus was this guy, teacher of the law. He was smart. He, was, he understood the prophets. He came to Jesus at night, Nicodemus did. And, and when you think about Nicodemus, he, he said, Jesus, no one can do what you do unless you're from God. And remember that incredible um, encounter that Nicodemus had? You know the Christmas story? The Christmas story opens the door to a personal encounter with God like Nicodemus had. He had this personal encounter with God. And, and Nicodemus, remember, he, he was confused. He was like, who are you? What, you have to be from God. And Jesus told him those famous words in John 3, 3, that truly I say to you, Unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And the Christmas message is this, this revelation that we can see the kingdom of God, not only when we die, but right now. We get to experience the power of God right now, the strength of God right now, the correction of God right now. It's a gift. Look back at verse 3, 1 John 3. 1 3, excuse me, 1 John 1 3 says this. John writes, That which we have seen and we heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father 
and with his son, Jesus Christ. That, that word fellowship, it's, it's koinonia. It's, it's this description of, of mutual sharing. That you and, and I can mutually share in a relationship with God. That word fellowship speaks to intimate bonding. That you and I can be intimately bonded with God. I'll tell you what, that's what the world needs. John, <coughs> excuse me, John is speaking that, that normal people can come into this fellowship with God. That's a message I don't want you to miss. That's the message that, that can't be overlooked. See, Christmas shows that fellowship with God is possible. That you can have intimate bonding and fellowship with God. Look what he says in verse 4. And we're writing these things so that our joy may be complete. See, Christmas brings joy. It's through fellowship with God that you know joy, you know hope, that it is complete. Fellowship with God makes our, our joy complete. And I want us to see this, that the heart of the Christmas message is that unimaginable joy came into the world in a manger. And, and John writes about this. Jesus came into the world in smallness and weakness. And this is what makes the Christian message, the Christmas message, unique. You see, the world is stuck in this trap of religion. And what is religion? It's that you can earn your way. You can somehow earn the path to heaven if you're good enough, if you're faithful enough, if you do well enough, God will accept you. See, what makes Christ, the Christian message, the Christmas message, one to proclaim it's not the message of us trying to get to God. The Christmas message speaks how God came to us. The great links that God went to to come to us, to bring us salvation. You see, we see God in Christmas. Jesus in the flesh shows us this magnificent reality that God came to you. That blows my mind. In spite of what I've done, see, if I put all my thoughts and my sins on the screen for all of you to see, it'd be humiliating. Because I know me. I know what, I, what my heart is like when I'm by myself. And it blows my mind that God would know me so well and yet still come and say, Chris, I offer you this gift of forgiveness. See, that's the Christmas message. You can have fellowship with God. That I, in my brokenness, in my, in my incompleteness, can come into the presence of a holy God and be accepted because of Christ. You know, if you've not experienced eternal life, you can. If you don't have this fellowship with God, you can. And, uh, this, this week, I was, I was just reading through John and what he wrote. And, and a few chapters over in 1 John 5, he says this. It just struck me. He says in verse 10, chapter 5, I want us to see this. Whoever believes in the Son of God 
has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar, has made Christ a liar, and because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is the testimony, that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. You see, the reason that I can't keep the Christmas message private, the reason that I will forever resist the pressure of secularization is because God gave me life. And it just spills out of me. My gratitude is something I can't keep to myself. I I can't stay silent about what God has done. The Christmas message is the moment God came for you and for me. Have you received that? Don't you see that? Aren't you grateful that God's forgiveness impacted your life? And doesn't that that forgiveness move us to this sense of awe and gratitude and hope that when a moment like 2020 happens, when the world recognizes, man, this place is messed up, we go, oh, wait a minute. There's hope in life. There's no fear in death. I think about my, my calling as a pastor. I'm often called. I was last night at 9.45 at a moment of an ultimate moment. A moment that, that the doctors go, I don't know that we can do anything. You know, that, that moment is going to come to all of us in different ways at different times. But you know what? Because the Christmas story is not fiction, because it really happened, we all will be able to go, it's okay. Because there's hope in this life, but there's also no fear in death. That's what the Christmas message brought. Why? Because we have fellowship with God and we've experienced it. We've seen it. We know it. We're going to have an invitation, and, and I, I love invitations. Whether you're at home, don't check out in this moment, even if you're in your living room. See, when God's word is proclaimed, because what, I've, what, what we've all done together is sat around the word of God, and even me, I'm sitting with you. Not just, I'm not just talking at you. I'm with you. And guess who are, is our teacher today? It's not me. I'm being taught today by the Spirit of God who's moving and drawing and calling us to fellowship with Him. And so, invitations are important. Because every time an invitation, every time the word of God is preached, every time the spirit of God moves, 
He invites us to respond. Now, some of you know Christ as your Savior, but you've forgotten, you've overlooked the fact that even though you've, you've, uh, you've been forgiven, you've, you've, you, you've gotten out of fellowship with God. Now, God hasn't moved. You have. Come back to Him. Interact with Him. Walk with Him. Respond to Him. Let Him draw you back to that close, intimate relationship that your Heavenly Father desires. You know, when you're in that relationship, you know what God does? He moves us to pray. He moves us to interact with Him. And you know what? We need to pray for some folks today. Part of our response to the Lord today is to maybe get on your knees at your seat or come down here and let's pray for people. There's some hurting folks in the world, in our world. We need to pray for them. Maybe you're here today, though, and it's dawned on you that, that Christ came to you. And maybe even in this moment, the Holy Spirit is coming to you right now. Ah, oh, don't turn him away. If you'll come to him, he'll give you that hope that you're looking for, that you're longing for. Come to him. Lord Jesus, we bow before you as our king, as the one who came for us, came to us. And it's my prayer that whether someone's at home, watching online, that this would be a moment that you come to, to them to save them. I pray that they would respond to the people that are online ready to help. For those in the room that need to respond to you, whether it's in prayer for somebody or coming back into that fellowship, I pray that your spirit would move right now. Oh, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for John's testimony. Thank you for our testimony. Move us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand?